I am Jim Carlson, and live from the Gallup Studios here in Omaha, Nebraska, as well as, as our offices in Sydney, Australia. This is Gallup's Called the Coach, recorded on July 3rd, 2018. Called the Coach is a resource for those who want to help others discover and use their strengths. We have Gallup experts and independent strengths coaches share tactics, insights, and strategies to help coaches maximize the talent of individuals, teams, and organizations around the world. If you have questions during this live webcast, we do have a chat room that's available for you right below the main video window. If you just peek down there, it's available for you. Bottom left-hand corner, it says log in. Choose that. Choose the guest account. Put your name in where it says guest. Take those numbers out. Just put your name in. Hit submit. You'll get into the chat room. I see uh, we have one out there right now. We'd love to have you in there asking your questions during the program. If you're listening to the recorded version or have questions about custom strengths coaching solutions, you can send us an email, coaching, actually for any questions, send us an email, coaching at gallup.com, or use the contact form right there on the live page. And of course, don't forget to visit the Gallup Strength Center, just gallupstrengthcenter.com. For all your Clifton Strengths coaching resources and training needs, you can also catch the video and now downloadable audio for offline listening. We call that podcasting. You'll want to do it too. All the kids are doing it. It's super popular. If you want to do that, we have all the resources available for you on our coaches blog. Head out to coaching.gallup.com and choose the resources tab. Claire DeCartwright is our host today. She works as a regional director of learning solutions. I had some big long title for her. There in the Sydney office, Claire, <laughs> always great to have you back. I probably didn't get your title right, but welcome to Called the Coach. Thank you so much, Jim. I'm really excited to be here after some time. Uh, normally, my dear friend and colleague, Anne Lingefelter, does our Australasia version of Call to Coach, and she's so fantastic at it, but I'm filling in for her during her annual leave. So hopefully, I'll be able to do, do it justice on her behalf. Um, but I am really excited about this one, and I'm specifically quite excited about it because, as I was saying earlier to our guest, who I will shortly introduce you to, it's it's rare when you get that intellect and that fun factor in one very inspiring person. And Andrew Sloan, who's our guest today, is that fun factor. He brings that magic to work and the work that he does and also very inspiring and intelligent. So I'm delighted to be able to um, interview you today, Andrew. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And you're very, very used to the camera, Andrew. I know that you're <laughs> you run a weekly, a weekly video of your own, so you just look very natural at this. I'm sure you're going to be totally in your element. Fingers crossed. It's only been three weeks I've been on this side of the camera, so <laughs> this is early days, but I am enjoying it. Excellent. Well, you're so good at it. So I am just going to um, introduce you formally by reading out your bio and then we'll get stuck into some of our discussion points for today. But um, Andrew, you're a human futurist, which is a title that I just love. You're also a strengths coach, a Gallup certified strengths coach, a therapist and a technologist. So um, allow me just to read this out so that I can make sure we get everything so Andrew's, Andrew is a therapist, strengths coach and a futurist working specifically with individuals and teams. He helps us to transform ourselves so we can thrive in a faster future. Um, 
a business administration in counselling and psychotherapy. Andrew's worked with hundreds of people in and outside businesses who wanted to reduce complexity and enable change. In working with teams, Andrew has experience across a range of industries, including financial services, property, education, training, networking, events, technology and the creative arts. In combining strengths coaching and therapy, Andrew brings us tools that approach the whole and not just part of our experiences. So I love I love your bio, Andrew, but would love you to tell us a bit about you, maybe starting with your own strengths, what they mean to you. Just give us your personal, your backstory. Awesome. So let's kick off with my top five. So I have strategic woo, activator, communication, and ideation. And these come into the room as soon as I enter it. <laughs> these, these top five show up pretty clearly when I meet you. Um, it is really my back five. I call them my back five because they're the next five that are the engine room to, I think, my capability in the world and my gifts that I offer people um, no matter which space we find ourselves in. And I don't always get the order right, but this involves belief at number six, connectedness, uh, responsibility, empathy, and arranger. And these things kind of put things in place um, around my other talents. Arranger really influences a whole lot of my top 10. My journey with strengths started um, about probably four years ago now when I showed up pretty angry and frustrated at life. Um, I was in large corporate. Um, I was actually at salesforce.com at the time. They are in a great employer, great product. But just personally, I was quite frustrated with the fact that really my top five weren't being served and I had no idea about my top five and I had no idea um, that I even needed a conversation about serving natural patterns of thinking, feeling and behaving. And maybe in that discussion, I would find out why I was frustrated. Um, so I found a strengths-based coach and a therapist here in Sydney who I still work with today. And um, we started to explore what that frustration might mean in the light of my natural capabilities. And um, I then discovered that maybe I could actually use my talents in a different way, not just doing one particular job, which was pretty fixed. Um, I was doing a repeatable sales process a month on month, which wasn't really serving um, my activator, wasn't serving my ideation, or even my strategic. My strategic was kind of being served in my approach to clients and definitely woo in sales was being served. But there were some other aspects that were kind of being pushed to the side. Um, and so discovering a new way of seeing myself and myself in the world was really the beginning of my strengths journey. And um, I then picked it up and I was like, oh my God, what, what could I do with this? What could be shaped in the world to actually use some of my, my understanding around technology that I found at IBM and salesforce.com and take that to our startup community here in Sydney. So I developed a model around approaching um, teams with just technology thinking. How do we um, use technology to extend and create a sustainable system around a, 
um, a business's purpose. And I wove in strengths into that. Um, finally, I was like, I, I my coach at the time was going, um, why aren't you using stro- strengths? Why aren't you using strengths in your teamwork? And I was like resisting it. And I felt a bit of tension around it. And I realized that's because that was the next sort of push that I needed um, to actually to properly use a technological system, we need the human system aware, uh, able to express itself and able to balance and regulate what it's become aware of. And so I started to use strengths even before I um, showed up at your offices, Claire, and got certified. And I just used it intuitively. I used it in a way that just made sense. It's no fuss tool to start to unlock um, these natural ways that we think and feel and we behave. So um, started to use it into in, in those teams and then, um, uh, yeah, decided to get certified. Um, and that was the whole next level for me in getting deeper and more um, embedded in the strengths journey for people as well. Okay. And so tell us, tell us a bit more then about... From, from when you showed up and you discovered it and you decided to formalise the work that you were doing around strengths, what mm. happened from there and where has that led you in terms of your business today? Yeah. So um, all the while I was doing these, these things around technology and sales, I was actually completing my psychotherapy degree. I started my psychotherapy degree in 2011. It was my activator working way ahead of my strategic um, to start doing that formal education in um, therapeutic dialogue, um, understanding how people just show up in the present moment and potentially reflect on their past and how that might influence and inform our future. And so all the way through this moment of change and kind of waking up into startups and waking up into how technology could be really used for human purposes and human endeavours, I was completing my psychotherapy degree. And all of a sudden I saw like this access forming in front of me. I was like, oh, my gosh, just like I've been supported with coaching and therapy, I could do the same. And I could do this for individuals and also teams alike. And when I formally came and signed up to um, the accelerated course here in Sydney, I saw it unfold in that week. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. These natural patterns of cognitive capacity or the cognitive triad of thinking and Mm. feeling the emotional content with the outward expression of that in behaviour is incredibly powerful. Um, I think Gallup in how you deliver that course as well gave me a snapshot of how you can transport that from the private practice space or being one-to-one with a client to actually engaging masses of people, maybe that's 30 people in a room um, where I'm at my best, um, facilitating a a group-based dialogue Um, or seeing and watching how a conversation or engagement or how the future of leadership needs to unfold within an organisational culture um, unfolds. So for me, the formalising of that is saying, wow, we've got the patterns of thought, feeling, behaviour. We've got a few other models from Gallup as well, which I've embedded into my practice um, that are real powerful, um, not just the what, but the how. So the answers to the how, and I think people at the moment in our old fast future are uh, 
trying to actually put their hand out for tools, um, actionable tools that can guide them on the how, not just the what. We've done a lot of what in the past. What mm-hmm. is my personality? Um, where am I placed in amongst my peers? What we're doing now, I think, in our strengths movement is translating the what into how. How do I balance that? How do I regulate um, some of my talents? How do I express that into the four needs of followers? How do I express that into a a leadership philosophy that might change the DNA of our ways of working in in our teams? So how I show up now, and if you head to my website, it's just andrewsloan.com.au. That's my brand is my name. Um, You'll see two core sections to how I deliver support or how I create spaces. One is for individuals. I unite the best parts of therapy and strengths-based coaching together in a private practice here in Sydney. I have a lot of global clients as well that meet with me um, via Zoom conferencing as well. And then I work with teams. And my focus around teams is around future-proofing, around supporting teams to be ready for our faster future. supporting leaders and embedding a leadership culture where we may ask more questions than give answers, that we may inspire people with our questions to do what they do best every day, um, to show up plugged into the purpose of the organisation because their life purpose is integrated into the, um, the ways that they work, the ways that they show up and relate. And so I support individuals and teams um, as, as my paid work in the world. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Andrew, I want to kind of double click into this whole concept of being a human futurist, which, Mm. by the way, I I love that title. And I came across someone the other day who um, was humanising business. So I, I just love this, especially in a world where technology is is taking the lead rather than enabling what we do. It's kind of leading what we do. So I'd love to just kind of dig in a little bit further into what thinking have you done and what's the shift that you've seen around this future of work specifically as a um, future humanist? It's a really great point because I think, you know, this changes I think every six months at this point because of how fast we're moving. But... You know, there was a time when we kind of allowed technology to lead and mm. that was represented in maybe some of the permission we gave social platforms in the past. We mm. gave them posi- uh, permission in a way to be less authentic potentially than what we would like to be and we've definitely seen a, sh- a, a shape shift really around being more authentic on online platforms than maybe when we first started. We're trying to put our best face forward um, in those social connect connective platforms like Facebook. Um, We're starting to wake up to the power of technology as well and potentially how it's being used to buy our time and our attention in ways that are more on the lines of addictive pathways of the brain than not. (laughs) And so I think we're becoming a lot more conscious and aware of where we want to be. And you just represented it really well in my mind that it's humanity first. If we're using it to connect human to human, um, then it is a tool that we are using rather than potentially being used by technology. And um, we'll get into conscious computing in a quick second. But, um, Mm. you know, when we look forward to the future of technology around 
compute power that has a neural capacity or a neural network as big as our brains, um, we do have to wake up and start to ask that question, well, who are we as humans and who do we want to be in the new normal of technology? A lot of my thinking around becoming a human futurist and thinking about the future of humanity is just reflecting on the last 11 years. When we think about, um, you know, having this device in our hands with infinite connection to anyone or any knowledge that I need, this has only been 11 years since we've had um, smartphones and the type of technology that allows us to connect with Jim here in Omaha at 11 o'clock on yesterday. You know, like that's a nutty, <laughs> that's a nutty, crazy sentence crazy. to, to yeah. state. Um, and it's only been really 10 to 11 years that we have had access to this infinite connection. When I look at the dials of complexity, they have all been dialed up from about three in the last 10 years to 10. <laughs> you know, when we think about diverse parts being connected and us having dependent connections between those diverse parts, we're looking at complexity, um, you know, 10 times, maybe even more. Now, I don't know the impact that that has had on our biology. I don't know the impact that that might have uh, be having on our human systems or our cultural fabric. And I think we're seeing some outplaying of that in global politics right now. Um, we're seeing that in um, depression rates and suicide in certain sectors of our community. We're seeing an impact in some ways. And I think we need to get clearer on how do we want to move forward with this new normal of complexity? I think the dials of complexity have gone so high, um, that level of uncertainty that's in our com community, that level of anxiousness around the future is um, ramping up. Mm. Um, I think it comes back to, for me, being a human futurist in a really uh, uh, sort of a loop uh, way is being really okay in the here and now being really okay in this present moment, not too blocked by our past and not too anxious or hopeless about our future and really being able to anchor and ground ourselves with a sense of presence and connection. A huge part of my journey in this space has been work um, in the presence movement or you theory, being able to kind of look out and around and, and map what's happening. And I'm potentially using my strategic there um, to kind of get that sense, reducing um, a lot of complexity down to its simple um, truth. And the here and now is no better simple moment and of truth for you and how you're experiencing that. Um, and, and then being able to immerse yourself in what's, what's coming up or what's happening here for you right now, and then prototyping or acting out or developing something new. And that's definitely my activator and ideation in, in action. You mentioned um, that live show we've just started, and that's with Scarlet Vesper, a human brand futurist here in Sydney. And we've started a live show every week, just showing up, talking about a all the things that I'm kind of sharing in a bit of a longer format, um, you know, the conditions that we're facing, humanity's place in our faster future, and also technology's role in our faster future as well. This is one way we're beginning to kind of build a hypothesis on what happens next um, for humans, both individually and personally, through self-awareness, self-expression um, and ability to tell your story, ability to balance what you have become aware of. This maps to the strengths development equation quite closely. But then also um, the future of work 
being the culture that makes up our larger culture or our workplaces. How do we get really aware of our team? Mm -hmm. If that's from a purpose or a values perspective, but how do I get really aware of how your talents are showing up in the workplace? Where do I need to partner with you? Where do I need to step aside? Um, mm. How could we balance and integrate the dynamics between both of our natural patterns of thinking, feeling, behavior? So that's mm. team awareness. How do how can we express that? That type of communication that ripples through an internal culture that bleeds out into our client value prop. You know, that's the sort of stuff that we're talking about around the future of work um, and around being able to express that really clearly. And then more and more we see pockets of tension and friction showing up in the workplace. And so how can we balance some of those things with that expression and ability to become aware? Um, regulate that in a way that actually anchors us back to our purpose and mm -hmm. focuses us on what's important. That might be profitability for some, that might be productivity, that might be wellness in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that sense of being plugged in is what I call engagement, which mm -hmm. uh, of course is a huge part of um, us looking into the future of work. Um, so, I don't know if you want me to touch in on technology yet, but you may have a question there. <laughs> yeah, just, but I I do want to touch in on technology, but I'm really just interested in exploring a little bit more what the implications are, what, what you're seeing the implications are for organisations, you know, for mm. both the individuals and the teams, and mm. really talk us through how you would address that using some of these principles of strengths-based development and strengths coaching and the psychotherapy. Maybe maybe give us a couple of examples of where you've seen an impact at the team level or the individual level. So let's go with teams first. So I think the implications of change is is really clear to me in a recent client um, where we have a lot of young people in that um, group. And it's so fascinating delivering a workshop to 18 to 20 year olds right now. I think they're a part of that um, age group which were marinating in technology for their entire life. You know, they were communicating in these te technological spaces that, you know, I, I'm 33, um, so I kind of started with early computers. Yeah, yeah. But a young one, <laughs> I started with the early aspect of computing, but they didn't kind of soak our lives. They were on the periphery. Right. They were something to enjoy, not something that was the um, the channel on how we identify mm -hmm. with ourselves and how we communicate to identify other people. Yeah. And so they show up in my workshop and I'm really quite frustrated, to be honest, and really quite angry because their ability to show me they're listening or their ability to connect and show others that they're listening and engaged is actually um, kind of not needed in their world. And when they open their mouths and they share, you get such nuanced understanding and expressive capability of understanding what we're actually really talking about and to cut the crap, you know, in the conversation to really zero in, in what's important. This is a wonderful capability. But my question here is, how do they connect and engage with other people from different generations? How do they connect with their clients who are a lot older and don't understand the digital landscape? And this, this particular client is in the digital landscape. They are selling digital tools to yeah. companies. How do they connect and how do they actually show that they understand 
and can um, transform their ways of working um, mm. with their product if they don't have the basics of active listening, um, asking really quality questions to get the full scope, not just delivering a sense of knowing. Um, how can they actually round out those skills? So um, one of the implications I'm seeing with, you know, just the last 11 years of technology is that for me, it's going back to basics as a trainer and a coach and a facilitator to actually bring awareness to this and go, hey, basically wake up, let's go. What, what is happening in this room? Because I'm getting this felt sense that you're actually ignoring the point of this conversation. However, I'm confused because when you share, I get so much wisdom. So where is the disconnect? And we actually go through basic skill development training on, um, you know, how to ask uh, impactful and effective uh, questions, mm -hmm. how to actively listen. Um, of course, we use talents in action on that as well. And for this team, we have all 34 reports to go, okay, cool. What are those talents that help you inquire around the world that you're in? <laughs> what are those talents that help you keep curious and to discover? What are those talents that help you deliver something of value to someone that they may not know in a way that they can receive it from their own unique perspective? These are the types of conversations we're having with teams. For their leaders, so the people who are leading them, because they have a real strong felt sense of what's what and what they um, are good at and what they would like to contribute, we must move from telling to asking in leadership. Mm. We must move from being a boss with a sense of what is right um, towards asking questions we do not know the answer for yeah. um, or, or to. We don't know the answer to. And asking powerful questions that help people show up with their own uniqueness, with their own knowledge base, with their own skill base, maybe to grow some of those skills, but um, mm -hmm. moving people from just turning up for a paycheck and being a cog in a machine to actually anchored in purpose, anchored in their what they do best every day. And I think for that, we need to get leaders out of their own way in many ways. Mm -hmm. So if I port that team-based discussion into individuals, in my private practice, I'm supporting leaders to be able to get the past out of the way so they can truly show up and, and be vulnerable. You know, Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability in our future and what that means for our future. For me, it's decluttering the ideas that I have about myself and myself in the world. And that's potentially through a conversation about the past, the present moment, and how that's shaping up for the future. So I can truly hang in a space of not knowing. Yeah. I think complexity and uncertainty is asking us to hang in those spaces of not having all the answers because, you know what, we don't have all the answers. In the past, we knew how to get from A to B because the train wasn't changing and the vehicles we were in were remaining quite static. Now, I don't know about you, but my phone updates itself every two days. So the vehicle's changing. Um, the capabilities we have to connect, to communicate, to walk and move towards purpose and value are changing. And the terrain is changing. Um, you know, the, the landscape is changing so much. So we can't have a map anymore. We can't know how to get from A to B. So there is no leader on the world in the world that can tell me how to move forward because things are changing so, so rapidly. 
So we must click into that um, capability of asking more questions and becoming coach-like. I, I talk about it in teams about having more coaching conversations. Yeah. We don't need more serious coaches walking into the boardroom and defining um, what that means. So, you know, you're paying me, and so, yes, let's do that. But how can I <laughs> encourage you and arm you with the tools on how to have coaching conversations here? And, you know, yeah. it, one of those principles is how do we get the wisdom out of our team? How do we get them into a position to share? And we do that through really great questions. Mm. And I think also knowing um, I call strengths and Clifton Strengths a hack of self-awareness. It's a hack. It's a hack to ask those questions, get that insight, position yourself in such a way that you're inquiring around the uniqueness and how it wants to show up um, in that moment, in that project, in that financial year, whatever that might mean for that specific leader, asking really great questions. Mm. It's so interesting what you're saying, Andrew, particularly about that shift from from being a boss to a coach mm. and really relevant in every industry, I have to say, mm. not just technology-driven industries. Uh, we Last week in our Sydney office we did a multi-sectoral event about reducing employee burnout and we had the police, we had the fireys, we had the ambos, we had corrections, we had health. We had leaders from all of these sectors sharing about how even in very process-driven sectors where the leader has learned from role modelling uh, mm. behaviours of their own leader, which was mm. very hierarchical, very mm. top-down systems one style of leadership, and, and even they're making this big shift towards the asking rather than the telling yeah. and, and demonstrating that care and getting curious about the people on their team and humanising their interactions. So, um, you know, I think what you're saying is just so relevant to everybody. It's somehow, How powerful, yeah. Yeah, this isolation and this loneliness and, mm. um, you know, this inability to connect and ask the right questions mm. is not unique just to millennials and it's and not what, unique just to technology-driven yeah. organisations. And what you're saying as well is I think sometimes, and I've um, done this, is just focused on the philosophy and didn't really embed it into process. So a lot of my work right now, leaning into the next half of the year, is going great. We've got a really great idea of a, a philosophy. And my philosophy of leadership is actually um, I was about to say stolen, but um, integrating <laughs> integrating Gallup's performance management model. I actually don't believe it's just performance management. I believe that um, could be better named as a leadership model. This is a leadership. This is the heartbeat of leadership, which is creating collaborative expectations, yeah. um, continually coaching and asking really great mm. questions and focusing on achievement to goals and then creating a sense of accountability. A lot of my clients go straight to accountability and they go to that harshness, that hierarchical top-down approach of, hey, you didn't meet this goal or target. And I'm saying, well, pretty confrontingly, well, have you actually prepared them to be able to hold themselves accountable versus this top-down, more paternalistic parental approach of um, accountability only? Have you collaborated and co-created expectations? Have you continually coached and supported them in a way that they understand how their, their greatest talents are supporting them or hindering them from achieving those goals? Then accountability is actually going to come out of the process. 
And so for me, it's taking that philosophy into tangible processes. So for your frontline, um, your organizations that you met with the, the last few weeks, you know, the conversation I would be having with them is how do you take a philosophy and get that really firmly founded in a strengths focus? Right. Then actually document um, in a way that is flexible, dynamic, but enough to guide behavior into the future. Is that an interview process? Is that an onboarding process? Is that a one-to-one -one coaching process with leaders? Is that a performance management, a strengths-based performance management process? Mm -hmm. And then what do you do when things aren't going well? And how do you challenge people to do better? I think mm -hmm. for me, that is how we support organizations in our faster future, where mm -hmm. things um, feel like they're unwieldy and out of control. Mm. And what you're talking about, all of those touch points in the employee life cycle, mm -hmm. is, you know, the composite of all of that is employee experience. So it is mm -hmm. engagement. It is performance-driven conversations. It's that very first experience you have when you're attracted and you apply to that organisation. So um, th there's an application for this, for strengths, for, for coaching and for future-proofing yeah. teams at, at every juncture in that employee life cycle and then and, we pull back impacts customers. yeah and we put that back from a team-based perspective down to an individual perspective right? right and 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 knowing that you can access tools that are a one-to-one -one, scalable scalable down to one-to-one -one. we know culture in the faster future is around individualized attention Okay, it is about our uniqueness. Um, it is about the fact that 95% of our neural cortex, just our brain structure is different from one person to the other. That uniqueness asks us to create this individualized attention. And this is the core hypothesis, I believe, that is in your performance management model. And that individualized attention, we need to find in our workplaces. And if we're not getting in our work in our workplaces, we can go find a individual coach. <laughs> and a strengths-based coach is a great place to start. Um, mm -hmm. In my private practice, we're able to explore deep embodied emotional content also with those therapeutic tools. I am on a mission and I don't know how yet to do it and maybe you have some ideas on how to crack the code with therapy. For so long, um, therapies have been only seen for people who are broken. Right. And, you know, in many ways we're all struggling. You know, we're all struggling mm -hmm. with experiences from the past. We're all trying to work out and figure out mm -hmm. this thing called being a human and being inside this flesh. Um, we're all trying to work that out. And that doesn't, I, I suppose what I'm saying is therapy doesn't just call for brokenness. And it may be around accelerating your self-awareness for things like being a leader in your workplace or finding new career paths or finding new ways of expressing your talents in the world. And that's the, the picture I want to paint um, when we combine therapy and coaching on that individual scale, not just the team-based scale. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting because I'm sure we've all had coaches or clients where we just can't get that breakthrough mm. and it's because we're trying to keep them above the line and move mm. them forward, which is essentially the art of coaching, mm. um, but they just keep dropping back be below the line and they keep going back into to mm. the past mm. and they're unable to break through and move forward. And mm. I know for a lot of strengths coaches that can be, some of the most frustrating experience mm. because mm. 
they can see the pathway forward. They that person's created that pathway forward for themselves, mm. but they're unable to break through. So I do see that there is a place to to revisit the past, although it isn't coaching. You know, we mm. don't when we're when we're coaching, we don't yeah. go back except to no. study success and replicate it. But I can see the beauty and the power, and yeah. I guess. The uniqueness of what you offer is bringing mm. those two practices together. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about that. I think, you know, you've just really summed it up really well, Claire. I think when when I punch above and go above the line and there's some significant challenges that that person doesn't even see as important to share, sometimes, um, uh, you know, people walk in. Look, uh, to be honest, I only contract wherever I go as a psychotherapist and a strengths coach because I can't show up and lay down certain tools. So my agreement with you, if you were to come into my private practice, says this is these are the tools that I use and this is what we're agreeing to. So I have the flexibility and the toolkit to explore all of these things and then move us um, forward if that's where we wish to go um, in our exploration of yourself. Um, I do that in teams as well. So, you know, uniting those tools together in many ways creates that full circle moment. It is an option. I tend to work with clients and, you know, a majority, 50% of my clients in my private practice have significant challenges with past trauma. Um, trauma to me is a no exit situation where we could not get out of it. Um, and so that is seen to be as a traumatic response. And so in using somatic therapy, for instance, and somatic means in the body, we can explore the body's neurological and biological response to those no ex exit situations, which mm -hmm. is sometimes the reason we have certain talents quite high. There is a school of thought um, and it's a hypothesis that some of our talents might be adaptions to some of those experiences to uh, create a sense of connection and power through those really um, unempowering or disempowering circumstances. And so in combining that, we can actually really reference, um, yeah, the, the, the past, the present. I, I try to anchor all of my clients, whether I'm in a team-based situation or an individual situation, here and now. That's not hoodoo guru meditation processes, but it might look like that. Um, but it's really just anchoring. We have yeah. a vagus nerve. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the vagus nerve. It starts yes, in the base of our brain. Cold shower, I believe. Oh, wow. That's one way. There's an even simpler way. So um, the nerves is actually in a pair, but it travels from the base of our brain through our heart through our diaphragm and all the way into our guts. And it's actually got two little hooks and some balls into our guts. You know that gut feeling? It is yes. um, it's, it's thought to be actually rooted in that nerve system. It is the only pairing of the nerve system that connects these three really integral systems of our human body. And it's called emotional regulation. <laughs> and so when we can actually tap into that connection of our gut, our heart and our head, no matter where we are in the present moment, we'll find that fear of the future dissipates. Um, some of those deep and rich feelings of sadness or grief or loss from the past can be processed and we can actually then figure out what's really going on. Um, for me, that's a key part of self-awareness, um, anchoring into our chairs and having those types of experience. I think those are some of the tools that I bring together with talents to do that full circle process that you're talking about. 
Um, mm. It's just what I offer. And so, yeah, it's it's it works wonders when there is a lot of unknowns and a lot of mystery around a teen's experience or an individual's experience of life. I get a lot of reports before we start to do work is I just don't know why this is happening. I don't know why I cry every night. I don't know why um, I'm really angry at work. I don't know why <laughs> there's that yeah, that yeah. mystery. Yes. Um, so we're taking the space to kind of connect and check in on that. And so would you always start by looking back before you go forward with an individual, somebody that's coming to practice? Um, my process is very person-centred and individualised. Okay. So it really depends. Yeah. We may, if I feel that's needed, do a life chart around positive to negative or high-intensity mm -hmm. experiences through a life to actually start mapping some of those things out. That gives us information around what was, you know, the first primary few years like. Mm. Um, there's a lot of science from Peter Levine's work that's telling us that these experiences around peak experiences are locked into our bodies and if um, we kind of move around that and just adapt around that we may be missing the strength that's found in the most challenging of experiences and um, that would be one thing we potentially look at in in my therapeutic toolbox i have a therapy called narrative therapy and that is around looking at experiences um, for glimpses of excellence or glimpses of power and starting to really build a, a, a paint a picture of what that past story may look like, what the current story looks like and what you would like the future story to look like, whilst also taking um, the culture and thinking about what the culture has told us about ourselves and what do we want to keep and what do we want to let go. <laughs> and um, that's another tool that we use in, in a therapeutic dialogue anyway. I, I like that you kind of segue to that culture piece because the next thing I was going to ask you mm -hmm. is what is the implication for an organisation and how do you approach this? I know you are working on, on an organisational approach and with mm -hmm. some of your clients. So how would you approach this? I mean, is it really starting with the individuals, starting with the individual leaders and, mm -hmm. and creating some best cases with some teams or to tell us more about mm -hmm. how you would map out that culture yeah. journey. Yeah, I like it because the individual process is really um, created in the moment with an individual and the team's process has a little bit more structure to it, right, for me anyway. And it always starts with measuring engagement. And so okay. I, um, I get Q12 in there as much as possible to get that mm -hmm. benchmark around how the team is going and where we need to focus on. Mm -hmm. I see the Q12 as 12 steps toward engagement. Nice. They are 12 steps we take to become more engaged. And you know what? A lot of my clients, are, we're focusing on number one. You know, do right. I know what is expected of me at work? Mm -hmm. As a really core understanding which we're missing we are missing yeah. that clarity piece. So we, we begin with engagement. I then tend to do a strengths-based foundational rollout so that we've got that philosophy, the 101 of an approach, a way of showing up around uniqueness and capability rather than the usual discourse that I'm really crap um, or I haven't hit my number or, you know, the, that sort of dialogue that tends to happen in teams, especially startup culture teams where the leader has developed 
uh, human system that allows them to work out some of their challenges <laughs> and read that into my individual process. I'm doing a lot of work with CEOs around that. Um, so starting with engagement, then rolling out a strengths foundation, and then I go straight to leadership because, okay. you know, what, I can earn a lot of money by doing facilitation and quick, you know, deliveries. And I, you know, I, I do that for some teams. Um, but my heartbeat is around creating sustainability in organizations and not being the only answer. So for me, I go straight to either a future leaders program and skilling people up in the future of leadership, um, which is one-on-ones with senior leaders and also group coaching conversations. And there are a little bit of training as well. So we'll put up a model, we'll talk about the four needs of followers, for instance, and go, wow, what's happening here? Where is trust right now? Oh, okay, it's negative 10. Let's just talk about trust for three weeks. <laughs> Let's just cultivate ways that we can actually increase trust in this organization. Mm -hmm. um, um, stability, compassion, hope. We, we go through all of those mm -hmm. things. Um, but I'd also do a lot of skill development around those three areas of um, the leadership model, your performance management toolkit. I think that's in your high performance um, teams training, isn't it? Um, the, so we've got the leading high performing teams curriculum yeah. and a toolkit that goes with that. We also have re-engineering performance management. So we call it performance development and mm. a lot of those concepts and tools are available in that particular approach. Awesome. But, you know, it's interesting. I think it's so relevant what you say about the role of leadership in culture mm -hmm. and there is such a cascading effect of leadership vitality mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the impact that that has truly, truly cascades mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. and, you know, some would say that we've got a global leadership crisis. Mm -hmm. um, our chairman and CEO's mission is to change the practice of management and I think a lot of these concepts that you're talking about around that culture shift around um, shifting from boss to coach definitely definitely fit into that it's fascinating um, because yeah it's fascinating because if if I'm a leader um, in an organization and I haven't really addressed those peak challenges in my life they may be in front of me as I speak to my employee. They may be in the room as I'm trying to impact cultural change. And so whether this is with an individual or a team, we're working out what that stuff is that might be in our way to truly embody the future of leadership. It is much more about that vulnerability and authenticity piece, isn't it, mm -hmm. in the future of leadership? So how do we get there? Um, how do we actually walk into a space and not allow our stuff to get in the way of yeah. truly connecting with others? And I think that's probably the, the theme of my um, approach or framework here. Totally. And I love that your approach, your framework responds to, to leaders, to teams and individuals. Mm. So it then systemizes that and you, you have a application or tools that you use at all of those critical employee experience moments as well. Mm. Um, Andrew, given that we're kind of approaching, you know, our last 10 minutes, there was another conversation I wanted to have with you. Um, I'm just going to transfer this over now to your role in our mm. strengths community. So for those who are on the line, hopefully we've got some Aussie, Aussies and some Kiwis on and lots of others um, listening as well, happy 4th to anybody who's 
celebrating in the US. That's coming up. Um, in Australia, <laughs> we really have, we, we've tried to create this real ecosystem, this very uh, strengths-based coaching community, and that's not Gallup-driven. That really is organic and grassroots. And you've kind of assumed a, a a role in leading some of those activities. So tell us more about the Australian and New Zealand strengths community, what your vision is for that, what are some of the activities and things that people can expect and how can they plug in? Yeah, awesome. So I am one of the people that are inspiring right. this initiative and I'm really the the, the voice piece because I'm here. Um, there's others in this organising committee based here in Sydney. Um, we're looking out to other cities in Australia as well. So Kath Baker has been a huge driver and initiator. Um, she's got Includer in her top 10 and I think there's Relator in there as well. Hi, <laughs> Kath. I think she's watching Hi, today. Um, she really, she knows how to stoke my activator i'm telling you mate like <laughs> she knows how to um get me ready to activate and i love um what we're creating and what we're contributing to for me a real community is when we show up we lean in and we give more of ourselves generously this this isn't about for me what a corporation might offer us as a community but you are already offering us so much it was really weird logging on today and seeing jim collison speak back at me but you know these things that gallup are doing are above and beyond other tools that i use most definitely um i'm accredited in another tool and i haven't got this sense of community or connection from the mothership or hq um so in going to um summit i'm really excited to expanding that to a global community as well and where there's a few of us Aussie coaches um, coming up there. Um, we'll be in a little pack probably at a bar near you um, during <laughs> summit. I but our, sure. approach, our approach in our community is around showing up and supporting a community of strengths-minded people mm. um, and really offering spaces for us to have conversations around how we are thriving, how we are maybe struggling in some spaces as well with running our own businesses and doing things for the first time. Um, and so we're creating different things. Now in Sydney, we have a, um, every six weeks, uh, we have a, um, a in-person meetup. We have Brisbane um, that we're not really a part of, but I'm just referencing it as another group. We have a Brisbane meetup for certified coaches um, and Ros Howland and the crew up in Brisbane are running that. We have Charlotte Blair in, in Melbourne who is running um, a meetup down in Melbourne for coaches and strengths-minded people as well. And then in September, we are running a meetup um, here in the Northern beaches of Sydney in Narrabeen. And that meetup is all about sharing across a weekend. It's like a residential. We're going to stay over the night and we're going to meet up and have strengths-based conversations together, hearing from a few of the coaches in our community, running workshops and, and, and training us, get, spreading the love. And I think Gallup is contributing in some way as well, which I'm really excited. Um, and so, we're, you know, we're planning that as we speak. So for us, uh, I know for me and Kath, we speak almost every day about this. You know, it is a big thing um, for us to create a community of collaboration and contribution and, mm. and have that wrap around the love we're getting from Gallup and all of the initiatives that Jim runs, that Claire, you run locally, like our alumni meetup. 
um, like our newsletter every week here in Australia as well, and um, all the other events that you're thinking about for the next part of the year as well. I don't know if you want to plug that as well. <laughs> I'd like to. You're yeah. definitely a sales guy. Um, but I will say I can hear your your belief, your connectedness, and your range of coming. So what what is the the vision for this community for you and your legacy in that, would you say? Yeah, I think I think our collective, I'll go back to the collective because that yep, connectedness absolutely. piece. Um, Relator is number um, 11, I think, in my my strengths. So I my, look, my vision is that we show up with a strengths-minded and a strengths lens on our approach of each other. I must admit, when I first entered um, this space, I was like, oh, what should I protect? What should I hold back? Because maybe there's an aspect of competition or um, those sorts of things that come into our mind because that's a very normal response, a normal human response. Um, when I laid those down, I went, no, there is so much opportunity. There is so much potential for our movement. There is so much um, work out there um, in our community. Um, how can we show up, offer? You know, we have to honour and um, uh really value the people who have been in this community for longer than someone like me. You know, Dion Rademeyer is the most generous um, with his tools and resources. Yeah, Jim is even nodding. Um, these are the people that we're inspired by. And it is that showing up and contributing that we would like. I want mm. every conversation to have that strengths focus. I want every perspective to be about possibility and potential. Yes. And um, that's really the vision that I think we have for our, our community here in Australia anyway. And strong relationships with you, Claire, and your team, which we <laughs> most of us have. <laughs> Yeah, no, love it, love it. Thank you so much, Jim. I'm just going to toss it over to you before we wrap everything up. Have you got anything that you want to add? I know you always come out um, with some really powerful questions at the end. What are you thinking? Well, Claire, here's what I'm going to say. All three of us have a wound communication. I didn't need to talk very much tonight. Let's just, uh, <laughs> let's just make that really, really clear. <laughs> no, Kath is out in the chat room tonight and a few have joined us, but uh, no, Andrew, good, good to hear what's going on there. I uh, To go all the way back to the beginning of your conversation when we were talking about the times, right, the last 11 years, mm -hmm. and what's been weird for me, and I think there's others like this too, you might have a sense of this, that for their, for some, these are the times we've been waiting for. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I was a kid, I dreamt about days like this where we could communicate live around the world and in real time when I could get on a video call with someone just like we're doing right now. I had no idea we'd broadcast it and it would be a show and we'd make programs out of it. But as a kid, I dreamt about days when this kind of communication would be available. It's hard because for some people, this causes a lot of angst. And for me, it causes a lot of excitement. Mm -hmm. And so I know there are those, I, I, I kind of feel like sometimes these times get too bad of a run mm -hmm. and they're not good enough. Like, it's mm -hmm. like, Hey, there's some really great things that you're, you're, you've embarked on a podcast, on a show, on, on whatever you guys are doing, right? Live. You could not have done that 11 years ago, no. right? It wouldn't have been possible. And so while, um, I guess I want to say, while sometimes people come to these days with angst, yeah. If we look at the positive aspects of what's yeah. going on here, there's yeah. never been a greater time to make a global impact. Never. Right. It's just, and so I, I just, I'm, I'm not willing. We were talking before. I don't sleep a lot, 
And I think sometimes I don't <laughs> sleep because I'm so excited to get after it. I love it. Right. I have a hard time. You know, I wake up in the mornings and I'm like, it's another day to get after this. So thing. Jim, our, yeah. our biological, our biological response is around fear, right? If a twig snapped in the village and we didn't respond to that with a threat, um, we would be eaten. So our biological response, our amygdala, our lizard brain needs to be disarmed in some ways. And we need to replace that fear with a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. You know, my hope for technology and the future is uh, insurmountable. It's so big <laughs> because I think we have more room to be really human. I think we have more room to actually look up as we were discussing before the show to the stars and measure where we are in, in the universe and actually um, really feel that is powerful. I think conscious computing, which is set to becoming in 2045, right? I'll be 60 years of age, um, is going to be a remarkable opportunity to do even more of what we're even finding with this simple technology of being able to broadcast and connect globally. Mm. Um, I think, you know, the, the possibility is endless coming up. Mm. I do think this is the beginning of the Borg. And uh, so, no, just kidding. So <laughs> you, have to know, you have to know that reference from Star Trek. But as we... <laughs> As we get all together, right, on this, it's an amazing time. And I just, I'm excited to hear what's going on. And it's been yeah. exciting to connect. We can, we can connect like we've never before. And I get a chance to work with these students every day that are, that are facing a lot of these fears. Yeah. Um, and it's to be, to be able to, to, for them to be able to work in a place that honors what they're really good at, right. Mm -hmm. That honors who they really are. Uh, it's pretty special. So I get to be a part of that uh, as well. Hey, I'll see you at Summit. I'll get on an old-fashioned plane and come see you in person. Yeah, no Hyperloop <laughs> yet. We don't, uh, Elon has not. Uh, I just got a Dreamliner. That's all we've got. <laughs> How great would that be to just uh, ride in a, one of Elon's tubes underneath the ocean and you get here super fast. Claire, why don't you thank Andrew before we go? I would love to. Thank you, Jim. Uh, thank you, Andrew. I, I knew it would be fun. I didn't even notice that hour go by. It was it was a lot of fun talking to you. I feel like we could have gone for another hour. So, um, Andrew, would you please tell us where we can find you, where people can find you to get a hold of you if they'd like to? Yeah, please head to www.andrewsloan.com.au and uh, I've got a contact page. All my details are up there. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And thank My you, pleasure. Jim, as usual. Um, happy 4th. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll take that uh, just as we're, we celebrate that here on Wednesday in the United States. Yeah. You guys hang tight for just a second. We'll remind everyone to take full advantage of all the resources we have available at the Gallup Strength Center. Just gallupstrengthcenter.com. Send us your comments or questions. You can send those to us in an email, coachingagallup.com. You can also catch the recorded audio and videos of this program, as well as all the past ones. We call that podcasting. It's available for you on our resources page. Head out to coaching.gallup.com. If you're interested in becoming a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, we mentioned that a few times. You can see a list of all the courses that lead to those certifications and even some that don't. We got more that not everything goes to a certification. They're available out there. Head out to our courses page, courses.gallup.com, or you can fill out the contact form right there on the live page. Someone will call you back. If you'd like to sign up for future webcasts, you can do that on our Eventbrite page. Just go to gallup.eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E, dot com to get that done. One more thing, if you're listening to this on your iPhones, we talked about that earlier, don't forget, you right on the phone, you can rate, review and subscribe. It's a great way to get it automatically. That way you never miss another one. If you are doing this on YouTube, you can subscribe and hit the notification bell to notify you every time we go live or we post one. 
Or if you're listening on Spreaker, you can follow us there. You'll get an email when we go live. A great way to stay up with this. You don't want to miss anything. No FOMO, but you don't want to miss anything here. <laughs> we want to remind everyone, we have a, a thriving Facebook page, facebook.com slash groups slash called to coach about 11,000 people out there. If you want to join in the strengths conversation around the world. And I think it's literally 24 seven now, which is pretty awesome for guys like me. We uh, look forward to the next call to coach with that. We say goodbye, everybody.